0: Hey, guys, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're making some money. Maybe business has picked up a little bit. I know it's crazy out there. Um, Kelsey and I looked at a house today. I'm not going to show you the house. But when I looked uh, in the crawl space, this is kind of what I saw. Couldn't A bunch of spider webs. So I thought I'd just share with you. That's my uh, appraiser's uh, temporary spider web remover tool. Yeah, it was a stick. But you could see all the uh, <laughs> all the webbing that I got out of the way so that when I went up to take another picture of the crawl space, I could actually see stuff instead of just a wall of spider webs. Man, the challenges that we have as appraisers. It's never, never ending, right? So um, hope you're doing well. I want to talk to you about something that we're continuing to see appraisers make mistakes on. We do a lot of review work uh, under our new entity, Reynolds and Rill. Uh, Paul Rill and I created a little company, and we're doing um, doing some review works and uh, doing some compliance reviews. I'm doing some reviews for uh, a state as well. But um, one thing that we continue to see a common thread on, there's several, but one in particular I want to talk to you about. Um, I want to make sure that you're not, not doing something you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> all right? I want to make sure that you are meeting your applicable USPAP requirements when it comes to reporting, uh, also analyzing, um, but we're going to spend a little bit more time on reporting in this podcast, so don't miss it. Stay right where you are. If you have access to look at this on the YouTube channel, do that because I'm going to show you some graphics as well that I would really love for you to see. Otherwise, just listen and you can go back and watch the video recording at another time. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Reynolds. You're listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast brought to you as always by the great folks over at Appraiser E-Learning. You need some education? Check us out at appraiserelearning.com. You'll be glad you did. Special shout out to my sponsor, LIA Administrators and Insurance. Thank you so much for your continued support of the Appraisal Update Podcast. All right, let's dive into this. Again, I want to make sure that you don't find yourself in trouble for this particular topic that we continue to see is an ongoing problem. And I think part of the issue is, is these dang pre-printed forms, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, these dang pre-printed forms. The problem with pre-printed forms are, they're pre-printed. In part, that's part of the problem. And I know these things are changing. Um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are, are gonna be talking about the unveiling of the new stuff. At Val Expo coming up really, really soon. We hope to see you there. But let's dive into this a little bit. I I want to spend a couple of minutes on this, and then we'll get into reporting as well. But this is, gosh, probably the number one form, at least in in the United States, the is utilized by appraisers for residential appraisal purposes, especially, obviously, for mortgage finance transactions, right? And uh, the form has been around for a while. If you look down at the bottom, uh, in the left-hand side, it says Freddie Mac Form number 70. A lot of appraisers talk about the Form 1004 form, and I've done that too. It's, It's commonly known as the 1004 form, but that's merely Fannie Mae's form number. Let's give Freddie Mac a little love. (laughs) Why don't we start calling it Form 70, right? That's the Freddie Mac form number. But you'll see right here, March of 2005. Well, what, what is that date? What's March of 2005? Well, that's the date that this form was most recently revised. It's got a little dust on it, right? Just under 20 years. That's a long time ago, 2005. And I remember, man, when this form came out, Uh, Mr. George Cox, uh, myself, uh, Larry McMillan, uh, Larry Disney and Henry Harrison all put on a, uh, a seminar up around the Cincinnati area talking about the new forms. And we had a bunch of people in attendance, right? What's going to happen with the new forms? They're not so new anymore. But uh, the one area I want to I want to stick on doing this podcast anyway is down here when we talk about highest and best use, right? And I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a, a minute before we get to that single line because of what I'm gonna show you in a minute a a, a case that really happened. But if you look at zoning compliance, legal, legal non-conforming, no zoning, or illegal now it's important to understand that that Fannie Mae Freddie Mac's not going to lend I don't think FHA will insure I don't think VA will guarantee on an illegal use right so if it's illegal uh, we got some issues and what I typically do is call my client have a conversation hey this property has an ADU situated on it that's not allowed under our zoning and therefore it's an illegal use what do you want me to do uh, it's the lender's decision. I'm not going to say, oh, they're not going to make a loan. That's not. I'm not a banker. I'm not a lender. That's the lender's decision. But I'll certainly bring it to the lender's attention and uh, get some guidance on how do you want me to proceed? You want me to stop? You want me to appraise it in its current use? Do you want to convert it to make it legal, right? And we'll come back to that in a, in a little demonstration I'm going to give you in a minute. But down here it says, is the highest and best use of the subject property as improved or per plans and specs the present use? Now, we could talk about highest and best use for days, and I'm working on a couple of courses uh, on highest and best use, so, so keep watching. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Um, but this is the form. Look, it says, is the highest and best use basically the present use? Yes or no? If you check yes, you're done, right? That That's all it says on the form. And if you check no, it says, if no, describe. So there's a line here to describe why it is not indicative of the highest and best use. Guys, if you check yes, are you really done? Well, you've got this little thing called USPAP out there. Remember USPAP? When Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and USPAP bumps head, who who wins that fight? I mean, if you have to adhere to USPAP, guys, I don't care what the form has on it or doesn't have on it, they should have on it. USPAP's going to win that fight. So you're stating whether or not you complied with the applicable reporting requirements of uniform standards. Do you think almost a 20-year-old form, I mean, this form was printed almost 22 years, 20 years ago, does that get you in compliance with the current edition of USPAP? Probably not. So let's look at the authoritative source. Let's look at USPAP real quick. Now, for the development aspect, and that's a longer conversation, but you really need to get a good grasp on highest and best use, guys. It's one of the most. It's one of the most important decisions you make in the appraisal process, in my opinion. Standard one is the appraisal. Standard two is the appraisal report, two different things. We jump down to standard rule one, the development, the appraisal, everything you got to do to get your number. Look at standard rule one-three. Market analysis and highest and best use. When necessary for credible assignment results in developing a market value opinion, an appraiser must you got to do all those things. Right? And so you, you have to develop an opinion of highest and best use. Um, but now let's look at the reporting. Right. Let's look at the reporting. When we get down to the reporting, that's in Standard Rule 2. We're going to look at Standard Rule 2-2-A. Someone a little too far there. We're going to look at Standard Rule 2-2-A, Roman numeral, used to be 10. Gosh, it was 10 forever. They changed it now to 12. I think they just try and confuse me a little bit. So if you look at Standard Rule 2-2-A, Roman numeral 12, it says, when an opinion of highest and best use was developed by the appraiser, state that opinion, and... This is the killer guys. Summarize the support and rationale for that opinion. There it is in black and white. So the preprinted form ought to have check here for yes, and here's a blank for putting your support and rationale as required by Standard Rule 22A Roman numeral 12. If no, describe. It doesn't have that. So I think I think in you know, kind of the appraiser's defense which is no defense, (laughs) the pre-printed form didn't steer me in that direction. Again, USPAP doesn't care about pre-printed forms, guys. This pre-printed form was developed by Fannie and Freddie for Fannie and Freddie. It's giving them the data or the information they need to make a decision on whether or not to make a loan or buy a loan. It wasn't done to get you in compliance with USPAP. So if you're just checking yes, and that's all you're doing you're gonna have some problems if anyone looks really close and i do some consulting i help appraisers that get in trouble trying to help you get out of trouble now if you're out there reckless careless and doing things you shouldn't be doing you don't call me i'm not gonna help you if you made an honest mistake or maybe you're being accused of something you don't think that you did wrong that's a service I provide. Others, others do. Tim, Tim Anderson provides that service. Diana Jacob provides that service. There's others out there that provide consulting along that vein, right, to try and help you out. You call me up and say, hey, they're, they're accusing me of senator 22 a Roman numeral 12 violation, and what's wrong with us board? And I look at your report, and it's not in there, guys. I, I can't miraculously, magically make your support rationale show up in your report. It's either in there or not. It's either in your report or it's not in your report, period. And we see that USPAP requires that support rationale to be in your report. So please have something. We're doing reviews right now, and we're still seeing this to be an issue. How do we shake the trees? How do we get the word out? Well, I've been doing it this way since the forum came out, Brian, 2005. I've been doing this. 20 years this way, nobody's ever... I don't care how long you've been doing it the wrong way. It doesn't matter if you have years of experience doing it the wrong way. Start doing it the right way yesterday. It's going to be hard to argue you didn't violate USPAP when you did. Now, I want to show you a recent house I stumbled across... I want to show you how easy it is to check zoning, at least where I'm setting and probably where you're setting too. And I want to tell you what happened, and it's not great, guys. It's not great. But I'll do that right after a little uh, word from my sponsor, right? So, guys, I really appreciate LI administrators and insurance services for um, promoting this this webinar or, excuse me, podcast and supporting us. We certainly appreciate it. I don't get I don't get paid for doing this. This is our way to give back. Appraisal e Learning is all about giving free stuff as much as we can. So, thank you, LI administrators and insurance. You know. Since 1978, talking about going back to 2005, how about 1978? Since 1978, LIA Administrators and Insurance has been offering EO insurance to valuation professionals. LIA, LIA has superior customer service, exceptional liability, education, unparalleled, unparalleled uh, claim defense to serve over 10,000 real estate appraisers nationwide. They have all types of insurance, like commercial bonds, general liability, cyber liability, and more. General liability, man, maybe maybe you need to think about not just E&O coverage. Maybe you need a general liability policy in addition to your E&O policy. Visit liability.com to learn more about how LIA can protect you and your business. Thanks again, Li. I appreciate it. All right, guys, let's dive back into this. I've got one more little snippet I want to share with you. Uh, I was contacted to appraise a church, uh, church building, and uh, we ended up not not doing that um, for for various reasons. The house next to it, uh, but I learned a little something during this. Assignment request, and I want to want to share this with you. So I'm going to share my screen, and this is going to bring you to where I'm sitting. This is the Owensboro Metropolitan Planning Commission website. Okay, and this is free. You can get right on um, the internet and grab it. What I did just now. I'm going to go up to, and I'm doing this real time. So bear with me. I'm going up to GS Mapping. I'm pulling up a map of my city where I'm sitting right now. And once this comes up, I'm going to just kind of zoom in. I could type the address over here. I don't know the address. I'm just going to zoom in. This is an aerial map of Owensboro. Okay. And it looks like it's lagging a little bit. So my apologies there. And I'm going to come up um, north a little bit. I'm almost there. Um. A little bit of lag, I don't know if that's their site or my internet it it could be it could be me all right, so this street right here, Cravens, and I'm not going to give you specific addresses, but uh this is this is where some properties are located okay and uh again, we were asked to do a, a church uh building and it's being utilized as a church. And then there's a house right here. And uh, we got into this assignment a little bit and we checked the zoning. And went. that's what I'm doing right now. I'm coming down and I'm pulling up these overlays and you see zoning. Now you're gonna see the map change colors and it did. All right, Go get that away. And so um, this is a big school and then there's some various improvements. There's a fire department a little fire station right here. There's a house right here, and there is that church building right here on the corner. And you see the zoning. You see the overlays here. You see how this is a, a little bit of a yellow color. It says P1. Down here on the far right, it's R4DT, which that's inner city residential. Up here is, whoops, up here is uh, R4DT as well. We got a little B4 going on. We got some R1C. That's residential as well. But P1 is professional okay um so this little house right here we found out in a p1 zoning you can have a uh, uh so the house that the minister of this church or preacher of this church lives in and that's allowed under p1 but if they sell that house could you or i move into it and live in it as a house the answer is no the P1 zoning does not allow for residential use. It has to be professional. Um, Or a school's permissible, a fire department's permissible, a school, uh, a church building's permissible, but a house to live in as a house is not permissible. Here's where it gets interesting. You see over here across the street, this little, little corner here, that's a house. It's a single-family house um and somebody lives in it and they shouldn't be <laughs> so this is an illegal use presently um there's a chance maybe they could get a zoning change I talked to planning and zoning you have got you know residential all around it except on this one side you got a street kind of but what happened was that used to be the church's house and it's no longer this one is So as a consequence, this is on P1, which means it should be a professional, unless they get a zoning change. But as of today, it's P1. And that house sold, and somebody appraised it because it closed via FHA, and it's in illegal use. So my whole point of sharing that with you is be careful, check the zoning, check what the permissible uses are, do your job basically, and be sure the important thing, all of that's important, but the, the important point of this podcast was to share with you USPAP, the preprinted form, and make sure you're doing more than just checking boxes on a form. You are required to do a highest and best use analysis if you need to for credible assigned results, which you do. (laughs) And you need to provide your support and your rationale for your highest and best use analysis in your report. And that is a consequence of standard rule 22A Roman numeral 12 that I showed you earlier. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope uh, you're taking a little break here and there. I just got back from South Carolina. And uh, about to head out to Vegas for Val Expo. I hope to see you there. Until next time, stay safe, make some money, diversify your practice a little bit, and happy appraising. The Appraisal Update Podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning.